throughout Lent, we've been talking about the fact that God thinks this world we live in is worth saving. God wants to equip us, you and I, to do the work of bringing God's kingdom here to earth as it is in heaven. We've talked about being equipped to fast from apathy and love others more deeply, to serve God by serving others, to feed the hungry and to work for justice. And now I get to preach the easy week in this series, healing. Not a confusing topic at all. God is calling each of us to offer healing to the world around us. No big deal. Totally easy topic. Okay, but seriously, we're not all called to be doctors, surgeons, or therapists. So what is our role in bringing about healing? Let's name it up front. God alone has the ultimate power to heal. But what is our role in it? Our scripture passage today is one that I deeply love and yet am often so utterly confused by. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead found in the book of John chapter 11. You see, there was a man named Lazarus with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Yes, those sisters, the ones who hosted Jesus in their home. And one was busy being the hostess with the mostess and the other was spending her time sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, enjoying being in his presence and even took out expensive oil and perfume and washed his feet with her hair. Sounds crazy, but washing the feet of others was a big deal back then. It was a way to show humble respect and using her hair was the ultimate sign of reverence and appreciation. So this family already has a close relationship with Jesus. Scripture tells us Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. The sisters send word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus is dying. Jesus responds saying, this illness isn't fatal. It's for the glory of God so that God's son can be glorified through it. And in verse six, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was. But after a couple of days, Jesus does decide to go to them. His disciples, however, are not big on this idea and discourage him, reminding him that Jewish authorities already want to stone him and that it's not the best place for him to go. But he gives a little foreshadowing of what is to come when he says, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I am going in order to wake him up. So obviously the disciples take this literally, thinking Lazarus is in a deep sleep. I mean, they've never seen anyone raised from the dead and they say, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. This time Jesus spells it out plainly. Lazarus has died. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you can believe, let's go to him. So when Jesus arrives, Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Other Jews had come to comfort the sisters who were grieving. When Martha finds out Jesus is coming, she goes out to meet him on the road and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus looks at her and he says, your brother will rise again. Well, her response is one coming from her deep religious faith when she says, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. But that's not really what Jesus meant. He turns things around saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha responds saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ God's son, you who is coming into the world. 
Martha goes back to the house and tells Mary to come see Jesus because he's calling for her. Mary gets up to go and the people who had been in the house providing comfort for her as she grieved, you know, the ones that show up with the casseroles after a loved one has died, they follow her, assuming that she's going to visit the tomb again. That's where I want us to pause and really lean into this passage. Listen now as Paul Mueller reads to us, John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. Close your eyes and really try to put yourself in this story. Feel the emotions, see the sights, hear the sounds and smell the smells. When Mary arrived where Jesus was, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying also, he was deeply disturbed and troubled. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to cry. The Jews said, see how much he loved him? But some of them said, he healed the eyes of the, blind, of the man born blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was deeply disturbed again when he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone covered the entrance. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, the smell will be awful. He's been dead for days. Jesus replied, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? So they removed the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I say this for the benefit of the crowd standing here so that, so that they will believe that you sent me. Having said this, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his feet bound and his hands tied and his face covered with a cloth. Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Can you feel the sorrow and pain in Mary's voice as she cries out to Jesus asking why he took so long to come? Can you see the tears welling up in Jesus' eyes and sense the new understanding that the friends now seem to have of Jesus as they see just how deeply he loved this family? The smell of the dead body left in a tomb to rot for four days. Can you smell it as the stone is rolled away? The sound of Jesus commanding Lazarus to come out of the tomb and be set free, unbound from the bandages which held him. Can you hear it? Can you see the sight of a dead man walking back into life? As Barbara Brown Taylor said, Lazarus was so dead that he stank, so dead that Jesus stood in front of his tomb and wept. Then he roared so loud at death that he scared death away while the sisters tried to decide whether to run away too. Their brother Lazarus came stumbling from his tomb, trailing his shroud behind him like a used cocoon. That is the kind of healing that happens in relationship with Jesus Christ. What is our role in healing? We can't raise people from a literal death. Dr. John Lemon explains it this way. We can't bring back the dead, but we can make it easier for them to get around. 
We are to help those made alive by Jesus begin to walk in the light, to remove the things that hamper their walk, that cover their face. He says, if Jesus is all about going into the stinky places to bring people to life, why are we so adamant that society better clean itself up? He explains that you and I are called to unbind those who Jesus loves, those stinky people that Jesus is making alive. I love that. I don't know about you, but I count myself as one of those stinky people that has often had to be woken up by God and called out of my own mess. Maybe that's why I love the song that our band just did, Rise Up by Cain. That song has become an anthem of sorts for me, reminding me to never grow too comfortable or complacent that I miss what God wants from me. One chapter earlier in John from our passage today, we find the passage in 1010 where Jesus says, I came so that they could have life, indeed, so that they could live life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest means not just going through the motions. It means not sleeping our way through a comfortable and easy life. The song says, in the dark and all alone, growing comfortable. Are you too scared to move and walk out of this tomb? Buried underneath the lies that you believed, safe and sound, stuck in the ground, too lost to be found. You're just asleep and it's time to leave. Come on and rise up, take a breath, you're alive now. Can't you hear the voice of Jesus calling us out of the grave like Lazarus? God is calling each and every one of us to rise up, to walk beside those who desperately need hope and healing. And Jesus models for us what that looks like through the actions that he takes with this family. Sky Jathani explains it so well when he says, notice what Jesus does not do. He does not see their pain and grief as an opportunity to talk about sin, repentance, or the fires of hell. He does not use the tragedy as a chance to inflate the ranks of his own followers or give some theological explanation for the illness and death of Lazarus. What he does do is share in their grief. By doing so, he acknowledges the wrongness of death, the bitter pain that it brings, and the reality of its sting. You see, Jesus models for us presence-centered ministry, simply being present with others, meeting them where they are at in their grief, in their pain, in their brokenness. That is what we're called to do. We don't have to know the right words to say. We simply have to be willing to sit and listen, to show up. We live in a world God thinks is worth saving and God is calling us to offer healing to others. You may be thinking, who am I to offer healing? I'm not strong enough. I'm still the stinky one in need of healing. Well, guess what? Me too. We all are. But Jesus modeled that for us too. Jesus wept. Jesus, Son of God, God incarnate, felt the sting and pain of losing a friend and watching others around him grieve. He didn't hide those very real emotions. He showed his human side. No one is asking you to hide your brokenness, your vulnerability in order to help others be strong. Be real, be yourself, your smelly, teary-eyed self, and just show up. Listen, be present. Don't wait. God thinks this world we live in is worth saving. God wants you 
to bring healing to others now. Amen.